free for all. You're on your own, soldier. All right, hello everybody, and welcome to the Free for All podcast. My name is Tom, and I'm here with my buddy Chase. And uh, let's just get down to it. Uh, for our first episode today, we thought we would talk about the uh, whole COVID-19 crisis and uh, its implications and everything that went on in 2020. So uh, we'll have Chase start out here. He actually had COVID, and uh, we'll let him uh, speak as to what his situation was and how he got through it and what exactly went down. Yeah, so, um, yeah, great to be here. Um, so, yeah, I guess my whole... Uh, my whole experience with COVID was really weird and definitely scary at some points. Um, I'll start, I guess, back, you know, before I got COVID. Uh, you know, the whole the whole crisis started back, like, late, late February and everything carried over into March, obviously. And it basically came down to cities were going to start shutting down. Every, all restaurants were going to close. Bars were going to close. Nightclubs were going to close. Uh, nobody was going to be able to do anything. So, um, you know, I, uh, I guess I was probably pretty irresponsible going into, um, going into lockdowns, you know, everybody was kind of making excuses to leave their house. And, you know, when stuff started to open back up, we got pretty careless and me and my girlfriend would go out to eat all the time, um, go out to breweries and different restaurants and everything. And, uh, I ended up getting COVID, you know, uh, towards you know the end of june and everything um i got the you know the basic symptoms and everything and we i i thought i was going to be okay obviously um nobody ever thinks thinks they're going to get get anything the worst and what ended up happening was i, I got all the basic symptoms the first week and then you know it it cranked it up to 10 uh, the second week and you know I had a 105 fever um, at the end of week two I ended up feeling so bad that I went to the hospital in, in uh, downtown and uh, they checked me into a room and basically said that you know I was presenting COVID symptoms and everything so that's what they were going to monitor me for and then I tested negative three different times over uh, over the course of three days so they released me um, on day four I went home, I started to feel a little bit better, uh, week three, and then week three, it's like I got run over by a bus. Um, I took a shower one night and uh, came back into my room and could barely breathe. And, uh, you know, I was starting to get dizzy, felt like I was going to faint, I couldn't stand up. And uh, my dad kind of told me, he was just like, you know, right, we're going to take you to the ER, I don't, I don't know what else to do and everything and you know it got to the ER and my oxygen saturation was 63% and they get me into an ER room I've got nurses running around everywhere I can't even talk because I can't breathe and uh, these doctors were just like you know if your oxygen saturation drops any lower we're putting you on a ventilator and put you, putting you on life support and you know at this point with how little we know the virus like it doesn't look good for you and so that was a very very sobering feeling um i lasted in the er um they were able to get my oxygen saturation levels up and uh 
they transferred me into the ICU and I sat in the ICU for about eight days until they released me. I my oxygen saturation I was still desatting uh down to about eighty five, but that was the threshold that they felt was uh they felt it was okay to release me. Um so I got released, uh went home and then just began the long recovery process, having to relearn how to how to walk properly and uh keep my balance to, you know, trying to get cardio mixed in and, you know, just walk around and move because my body had shut down for so long, you know, at, from the time that I caught COVID to the time that I got released from the ICU was about a month. So, you know, it was definitely, you know, my body shut down for a literal month and I couldn't do anything. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. And so I had to relearn how to walk and do a bunch of basic things that uh that normal people take for granted and everything and i definitely think that um you know through the recovery process and everything i would you know i felt that i i had put myself in that situation that i i was irresponsible and and you know didn't wear a mask and wasn't you know wasn't paying attention to the safety rules and everything that were laid out and so I kind of had to rethink what I was doing. And, you know, while I think wearing masks and everything is, is responsible in certain cases, the government's just gone absolutely wild with this whole pandemic and, you know, the way that it's affecting people. Because while I may have been affected by the virus in a literal sense that I caught it and, you know, it could have killed me, it, it's affected people that haven't even gotten the virus either. And I think that's kind of what we were wanting to talk about today is, you know, what about these people that haven't been affected by the virus, but at the same time, you know, all these government regulations are killing businesses and uh, ruining people's livelihoods. You know, people are foreclosing on their houses and defaulting on debt and, and all these crazy different things because of what the government's doing. Yeah, and yeah, it, it's pretty crazy what the response has been, and it, it begs the question, what's worse, the response or the actual disease itself? Um, obviously, some people have really bad, you know, any really bad experiences like you did, and other people, it's just a cold, or it's, it's literally nothing, and they're asymptomatic, so it, it's pretty wild, and... Um, there's just a lot going on at this point that I feel is irreversible. Um, I mean, so at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, um, this was before I caught it. Um, you know, one of the one of the first things that came out, uh, you know, everybody obviously started freaking out because the news started reporting, oh, there's a new virus or whatever that's infecting millions of people and all all these other countries obviously that had had this pandemic going on before us or whatever where we thought it was isolated to those countries you know we find out that it's in the united states and we start all freaking out everybody's panic buying toilet paper and and anything that they can get their hands on at grocery stores you know um i know there are a lot of different local breweries that shut down production of, of alcohol or whatever to make hand sanitizer because it wasn't available in stores um, 
just had all these crazy things happening and everybody was kind of, you know, it was another bash point for everybody to, to go in on Trump. And, you know, everybody was like, oh, he, he could have, he, he needs to close the country. He needs to do all these other things and everything to, to shield us from this virus spreading and everything. And so, you know, what does Trump do? It's like a week later after everybody starts demanding this, that's exactly what he does. He closes the country says we're shutting our borders uh no foreign travelers are allowed in the united states um if there are foreign travelers already there they're gonna have to shelter in place they're gonna have to figure something out because we're not letting them back out we're not we're, we're, our, our borders are shut and what did the what did the leftists decide to do they they decided to call him a xenophobe and you can't have your cake and eat it too sometimes you know you you can't sit there and demand that he he sh shield you from the virus and, and think of solutions to help you know prevent this from spreading and when he comes up with a solution you take a dump on the solution and you know you, you can't do that it, it it's one or the other he he either has to shut the borders and and keep the virus from spreading or he keeps the borders open, allows foreign travel, and potentially more infections. And, you know, the mainstream media criticized him for not doing enough. And, you know, then you turn around and several world leaders are, are praising him uh, for closing the country when he did. Um, saying that there were several other countries that still hadn't done what Trump did or whatever when they should have. And everything, and it was only after Trump closed our country that everybody else decided that they were going to start closing too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of people that just like to complain about what other people do, and my issue is that they just never have solutions. And uh, yeah, just just an example for that. You know, Biden when they were doing all the debates and stuff. He just kept blaming Trump. I mean, even outside the debates on the campaign trail and everything, he just kept blaming Trump, saying he would do better. Um, but, you know, all he would do is say, oh, 300,000 deaths, 300,000 deaths. Well, I mean, he never said that he would have any different policy. Like, all the all the blue states are doing exactly what they would want them to do. It's, you know, what Biden would want them to do. Just do complete shutdown, mask mandates, all this other stuff. And, I mean... Even living in Florida, which is a predominantly red state, I mean, we live in a blue county, but, um, you know, there are mask mandates. So I just don't know what Biden would have done better. I mean, they're just trying to, you know, bitch and complain and say that they're, they're amazing and Trump is terrible and go, you know, along with the mainstream media. I mean, they're all in cahoots, basically. So, I mean... <laughs> Who, who knows if he would have done better? I mean, who knows exactly what, you know, certain other countries have that have lower rates of infection have that we don't. I mean, people aren't, that's a problem. People aren't comparing ourselves to different countries and what different countries have done. They just want to, you know, focus on the death number here and complain and say it's all Trump's fault, basically. No, and, and see, another thing that we found out is, is after these lockdowns started, everybody started asking the question well okay like how did it get here in the first place like you know uh why didn't we know about this sooner and everything and you know one of the first criticisms that gets brought up is uh at the very beginning of the trump presidency um 
they were saying that he he basically disbanded a um like an office um it, it was like a pandemic response team basically um that he had disbanded at the beginning of his presidency he he said something like it was frivolous um it it wasn't needed or whatever and they were taking up funding and he was going he was going to allocate the funding somewhere else something like that um and essentially what happened is they were criticizing him because they th- they think this pandemic response team uh would have known about this sooner or whatever and w- and would have been able to advise him to shut down the country even sooner than he actually did and uh the f- saying that he disbanded this office is is, is simply not the case um it, the office by name does not exist anymore trump got rid of that but a lot of the other key people that were part of this team in this office actually stayed um you know the extent of their involvement in advising trump on the safety measures that he actually took i I, i'm not too sure but saying that he just you know said like screw pandemics they don't exist nothing's ever going to happen to us or whatever at the beginning of his presidency it, it it made him look a lot more irresponsible than he was actually being um and so you know following that um you know, that criticism and everything we, we started to learn a little bit more about the the origins of this virus where it was coming from um I don't know if y'all ever scrolled down TikTok, but, you know, plenty of TikToks got made about the guy, uh, some guy in a Chinese market eating bat soup. And that's how (laughs) that's how everybody started getting the virus. Um, But what we actually ended up finding out, despite all these memes and everything all over Twitter and TikTok, was that this virus actually originated in a virology lab that China had in Wuhan. and that was another thing that that everybody decided to dispute oh no it, it definitely came from the bat soup there's no a, a virology lab what are you talking about and everything and it was like you know nobody believed that something like that existed and what you need to remember is that people are always going to do especially governments are always going to do things that are morally wrong in order to be able to keep their power and that's exactly what china was doing and this is coming from somebody that has had this virus i'm telling you the way that it infects people the way that it can shut down in your body so that you test negative and medical help is you know not given to you when you're infected because they can't test you for this virus or whatever and then you know, a week later, it starts to literally shut down your respiratory system and slow your heart rate to the point where it starts to suffocate you to death. Like, there's absolutely no way, uh, you know, obviously, there's no evidence that, you know, concretely proves that it's a bioweapon. But the way that it infects people and the way that it started spreading, you know, it it begs the question, you know, that's something that definitely... um, could have been investigated and everything and you know we may have been dealing with an entirely different shitstorm than the one that we're in right now yeah i definitely believe that um if there's any way to do something evil and nefarious and get away with it and make a ton of money off of it then there's usually somebody planning to do it and if you know 
you never thought of it or you don't think somebody would be that evil to do it. I mean, you're just the kind of person that would, I don't want to say turn a blind eye, but, you know, be ignorant to, to what's going on. Um, now, obviously, you need evidence to prove these things, but, you know, whatever happens, I mean, whether or not somebody made the virus or not, what we know is that it, you know, it, it put the U.S. down a path of no return. I mean, the, the unprecedented shutdowns, the uh, the transfer of wealth from small businesses to, you know, all these mega corporations that are the only ones that can stay open during this somehow magically, you know, that, you know, you don't transmit viruses by going to Walmart, I guess, you know, I don't know. But the other thing that's set to happen is China is probably going to overtake the U.S. economy. I'm like hearing all these estimates. China is probably going to take over the U.S. economy in the next six, seven years. And I mean, we all kind of knew it was coming in the direction that they've taken, uh, devaluing their own currency and uh, cheap labor and lots of exports, basically, because that, uh, you know, that Chinese yuan going down. So who knows? Um, but all that we know are all the negative things that have come out of it. And more specifically from the response than the actual virus itself. And, and yeah, so, you know, the obviously the first thing that we dealt with as Americans was, you know, the initial the initial blowback of finding out there's a pandemic, but then also finding out that it's in the United States. So, you know, the, the Trump response came uh, to shut down the borders and everything. Uh, cities were going to start locking down. Um, so, you, you know, you had you had major cities like Orlando, uh, Los Angeles, New York City, um, Dallas, you know, Atlanta, all these different major cities uh, locking down and everything, trying to prevent the spread of this virus. And uh, as initial numbers of, you know, cases started to go up uh, in different, you know, regions of the U.S., uh, it started to come out that it looked like New York City and... Um, California were going to be basically the, the the big two states. You know, those states are, are massive with very, very dense populations um, in certain cities. You know, you have Los Angeles, Hollywood, and California, and then you have New York City, obviously. Um, and, you know, those are going to be the, the, the two big states for, for big numbers of cases. And so New York and California, essentially, the, the governors of New York and California decided that they were going to go, you know, all out with these lockdowns. Like everybody was going to be inside and it was going to be militantly enforced, um, you know, police in the streets, you know, curfews, like uh, legit police states. Um, and that was supposed to stop the spread. And what it did was... <laughs> their cases still managed to be even with these extreme lockdowns and extreme safety measures in place their case numbers managed to be the highest in the united states somehow despite many other states that weren't projected to have very high case numbers you know going very very laxed in their lockdown rules and you know not enforcing a lot of safety measures um that they said that they were going to enforce you know all these other states should have been sky high if they were, you know, if they weren't following all these safety measures. And the places that had the most of them were the ones that were getting infected the most. And so people start asking themselves, you know, why am I sheltering in place? Why, why am I being afraid to go to the grocery store? Why am I, you know, 
uh, not leaving my house, not being a completely unproductive human being and, and everything, you know, these people had to go up, give up going to their workplaces or whatever, you know, companies had to start, uh, allocating money for their employees to work remotely. Um, and you know, they were having to reimburse employees for buying, um, home computer setups and you know if they didn't have wi-fi or had very very weak wi-fi they're having to pay for new internet service they're doing all these different things just to ensure that uh that their employees could continue to work and that they could hopefully continue to stay in business through the pandemic and you know end up spending millions of dollars on on stuff that they otherwise wouldn't have had to and then you know, you start seeing places with these extreme lockdowns and their cases going up and you start to wonder, like, did I do all of this for absolutely nothing? Am, am I, you know, is my business about to go under uh, for absolutely no reason? Like, could all of this have been avoided? And so, you know, do these lockdowns actually even work? And, you know, um, to what extent, if they do work, to what extent do they need to be enforced um how tight do they need to be um and then obviously if they don't work you have an entirely different problem But, but you you just brought up the survival rate, and I I think that's that's worth touching on again because you, you're talking about the survival rate, uh, you know, being a, around ninety nine point seven percent. You know, the flu kills more people every year. You know, obviously we have a vaccine for the flu, but at the same time, even with the vaccine, people are still dying in numbers that are greater than COVID. Obviously, you know, I've I've personally seen uh, that this virus does have the capability to kill, but obviously, you know, the flu does too. And when flu season comes around every year, it's like almost a chore to go and get the flu vaccine for normal people. Uh, they either don't want to go do it or, or they reluctantly go and do it and everything, and they kind of just forget about it. They go on with their normal lives. And to think that all this entire shitstorm that we dealt with all of 2020 and and now into 2021 was for a virus that still doesn't kill as many per year as the flu and and now it's all of a sudden a big deal it it, we need a vaccine now it's killing in record numbers we've never seen a virus like this before like yes you have i'm sure i guarantee you, you know at least one person a year uh, whether it's a family member, a friend, whether it's you, it, it, somebody that you know every single year gets the flu. And the majority of the time, I guarantee you, they've probably had the vaccine too. So the fact that all of this came about because of a virus that 
most normal healthy people you know you're under 50 you exercise at least two days a week if that like most just normal healthy americans in general are not going to die from this virus nor are they going to experience the symptoms that i experienced and the fact that we we've dealt with all these you know these safety measures and everything these lockdowns and everything and americans are going absolutely insane uh, in certain states obviously like new york and california not being able to live their normal lives but obviously the other americans um around the continental u.s that are dealing with job loss that are dealing with uh cut salaries furloughs um even just complete loss of business and everything and now they have absolutely no way to provide for their families it's just that it's it's absolutely insane yeah i mean it certainly seems like and nobody really wants to talk about this it certainly seems like people are i mean the savings rate in the united states was already negative so people are living beyond their means they're you know they're spending more money than what they save and what they you know really make um but yeah now people are just poorer than ever i mean there's so many people laid off there's so many people not to mention you know uh, with employment statistics, it won't necessarily filter out all the time uh, what underemployment is, which is, you know, people just getting 20, 30 hours a week instead of 40. And um, yeah, I mean, millions of people are projected to be going into poverty or already in poverty. Um, there's multiple esp- estimates out there, and it could range anywhere from a couple million to hundreds of million, depending on if you're talking about the whole world or you're talking about, you know, the U.S. or whatever. But um, yeah, you just gotta wonder what's the real cost. You know, if if people are gonna be starving and dying or displaced from their houses, is that you know what's more inconvenient? Some people getting sick and dying, which let's be honest, is gonna happen pretty much every year. I mean, there's there's the flu, there's pneumonia, and all this other stuff. Um, but yeah, what's the real cost? And you know, Melinda Gates, who her and Bill Gates have been a big advisor to Fauci and all that, and they're actually good friends. Uh, they admitted that they did not think through the economic impact. And it, it's just kind of stupid. Like, how, how are you even going to say that? There's no way that you can't be thinking about the economic impact. Like, it's obviously going to be huge when you have all these shutdowns and, um, you know, you're making everybody wait for a vaccine that has to go through the whole FDA system and multiple trials and only uh, a couple companies can afford to even, you know, make it to that point and have, you know, uh, approval in the FDA system in the United States. It's just so much red tape. Oh, and, and see, okay, so you, you brought up Fauci, and I'm glad you brought him up, uh, because you know, leftists like to make fun of uh, you know, like Republicans thinking that Trump is Jesus, and all these Dr. Fauci fan pages started popping up on Facebook and Twitter and everything. Like, people were worshipping this man's feet and everything for the advice that he was giving Americans on how to handle this pandemic and everything. And, you know, come to find out, you know, he, he's preaching masks and lockdowns and all this other stuff. And then people see him at a, what was it, a, a baseball game with no mask on in the stands, eating popcorn or something like that. And there are people around him and everything so it's like you the literal poster child for the COVID-19 pandemic and the government response or whatever going and completely 
going back on his his own advice that he was giving to the American people. But you know, not just Fauci. Uh, you know, the go- the government's response. You know, obviously Trump was like, okay, you know, we're we're going to develop a vaccine and uh, we're we're going to help millions of people. It's going to be the best vaccine ever. Uh, and you know, says he's going to start developing this vaccine and everything. Meanwhile there's absolutely almost no communication with the general public as to what's going on. You know, what's the timeline for this vaccine and everything. We started hearing about setbacks they were having, you know, uh, the, uh, like the, the initial test subjects were having reactions like, okay, now we got to go back to the drawing board. So it it almost seemed like it was never going to end. And the one thing that we started to see, you know, in cases that these hospitals were reporting, it was like, the people that were dealing with the worst symptoms were obese Americans or uh, the people that were overweight. Um, you know, everybody holds their weight differently. I'm not going to say, you know, all of them were fat people, but, you know, we were finding out that it was like extremely overweight people that were dealing with the the worst kind of symptoms. So, you know, keep that in mind. So you turn right around and then you close gyms. You, you close all the convenient places that people have, parks, you know, all, all these convenient places that people have to keep themselves in shape and everything. So people are now having to find alternatives to keep in their house. Um, I know my dad texted me one day and told me that he bought, uh, he bought like two or three jugs of milk, one jug to drink, and the other two were so that he could, li- he could lift them as dumbbells, basically. And, and everything so it, it was forcing people to come up with alternatives and you know uh, alternatives can only go so far um you know you have to start and get start to get more and more creative to do uh home workouts and stuff um unless you you know you go to the gym regularly in which case you know you're you're already in shape so it, it's not as big of a deal to you but for these you know people that were trying to get in shape and, and try to get to the gym regularly suddenly had that map pulled out from underneath them and uh at that point you know you lose your job you you have to stay inside you get depressed you know there there's an entirely mental side to this too you know people people were getting depressed and and you know uh killing themselves and, and, and doing a bunch of crazy stuff and there was absolutely nothing we heard absolutely nothing from the government about what can we do to be proactively avoiding this other than their uh, tyrannical safety lockdowns and that, that kind of thing. There was no mention that vitamin C and D were of utmost importance in, in keeping us safe and, or keeping you healthy and, and boosting your immune system enough that if you did get COVID that your immune system was going to be prepared to fight it and everything. So, you take away Americans' ability to, you know, work out conveniently for the most part. Um, you don't give them any kind of advice or, um, you know, tell them what they can be doing other than these safety lockdowns to, you know, help make their body the strongest that it could possibly be um, if it were to encounter this virus and, you know, you actually catch it. And it, I feel like that's something that everybody has overlooked that should be talked about. 
Yeah, and you said something about you know people committing suicides and men, you know mental health issues. Um, there was an in interesting statistic that I saw that um, in Japan in October there were more suicides in just the month of October than there were COVID deaths for the entire year. So I mean, I guess they'd rather people kill themselves, and uh, you know, I, I don't even know. That's that's just pretty crazy to me. I mean, that if that doesn't say open it all up, I don't know what does. And, and see, you know, we're going back to the the lack of cases or whatever you're talking about. How there are more su suicides in in Japan than than cases for the entire year. So, you know, we're over here. We're being told that this virus is killing in record numbers. There's thousands of people dying every single day, and you know, we started to find out. Uh, from, you know, these companies that had developed tests uh, that, you know, people were taking to see if they had COVID. Um, we we're finding out that these tests were more and more inaccurate. Um, they're giving false positives. They're giving false negatives. Um, this kind of thing. And so then, at, you know, what are the true case numbers? <laughs> what are the actual case numbers that all, all these states are actually seeing? And we started to find out that hospitals were fudging case numbers. And, okay, they're fudging case numbers. Why are they doing that? Why, why are they saying more people have COVID than actually have it? Why are they saying that more people are dying from it than they actually were? So, guys, these hospitals, I, I don't know if you know how hospitals work. You know, <laughs> that's I I work in healthcare as a day job, so you know I, I know a little bit about this too. <laughs> Most hospitals, the way the way that hospitals work, you know, despite people going there and trying trying to get better and, and trying to not be sick, you know, hospitals at the end of the day are business. Hospitals want to make money. Um, certain hospitals receive funding from the government every year to either conduct research or to buy medications to, to, to cover whatever costs the hospital needs to run that year and everything. And what we started to find out is that uh, these hospitals that were bringing in nurses from all over the country because their cases were so high um, and record numbers of people were dying, these hospitals were fudging their cases because they were getting money, they were getting extra money from the government for their COVID cases. So uh, it was whatever proportion, however many hundred thousand cases you had or whatever, you got X amount of money. I, I think it was like, uh, it, was, it wasn't some stupid high number, but it, it was high enough that if you had, you know, a decent amount of cases, you were, you stood to make quite a bit of money. And so that now puts motivation behind fudging case numbers because the more cases you have, the more gov the more money that the government is going to hand you. And so these hospitals knew that they could make a killing. You know, <laughs> I hate to use that word when talking about a hospital, but you know, make a killing, uh, fudging their cases or whatever, and just letting the government hand them money. Um, there was even uh, I, I heard somebody talking about it. Uh, I think it was I was listening to a Joe Rogan pod podcast a couple weeks ago, um, 
and he was talking about how uh, hospitals would get even more money if they had patients on ventilators. And so um, they were, you know, more inclined to uh, put patients on ventilators that maybe otherwise wouldn't have needed them or whatever. And now they're now, you know, just in the last couple of weeks, they're finding out that uh, ventilators are bad and ventilators are more than likely causing people to die uh, rather than helping them. And um, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Um, The fact that uh, they're even doing that and then, um, you know, turning around and and acting like they're so concerned about our well-being and trying to lie to us about how many of our, our friends and family are actually sick. Um, I think that's just crazy. Yeah, uh, you spoke a little bit about the testing and how, you know, uh, some of the tests came out and, you know, they would produce false positives or, you know, false negatives or whatever. I mean, apparently PCR tests just historically speaking, they've been always known to produce false positives. Well, not always, but, you know, at an alarming rate. So, I mean, I don't really think it's a coincidence that a lot of these places were really trying to promote using PCR testing in the beginning. Um, Yeah. Also, going back to, you know, people's hospitals misquoting cases and saying they're coronavirus or whatever, uh, about a month or two ago, in you know November, December 2020, the CDC came out and they basically said that um, all pneumonia, influenza, and COVID cases would be measured under one number that the CDC would put out, and that's oh what God. they call PIC oh designation. God. So that just kind of makes me wonder. I mean, how long has this actually been going on? And have these hospitals been abiding by PIC designation? Because there's a lot of people who just die of pneumonia or influenza, the flu, every year. And it's and it's like another thing that I heard is we have basically no flu cases. It's like, what are you trying to tell me? Like, what the hell? Like, literally, if you took the flu and what people, how many people get it every year and you just reclassified it as COVID you would probably have the same amount of cases. I mean, slightly different symptoms, given give or take. I mean, people, I mean, some people will have completely different symptoms than others. I mean, you look up COVID symptoms and there's like 20 different things that you may or may not have. Yeah, it's like, it's almost like you can't get normal sick anymore. If you cough in public, people are going to look at you and be like, oh, that guy has COVID. Like, I can't sneeze anymore. Like, I swear, I have to cover up my sneezes when I'm... It, if I go out to a restaurant now or something like that, especially during the daytime, I, I don't know what it is about like being out in the sun, but if I'm if I get out of my car or whatever, I tend to sneeze if I if I'm like underneath direct sunlight. I don't know why, but I, I'm weird. <laughs> but you know, I have to cover my sneezes, and it's like you know, normal normal people when they would sneeze in public or whatever try to cover it with a cough or something like that, and would, would try to like keep themselves from sneezing as loud. And, you know, people can't even do that anymore because you, you, 
if you sneeze or cough in public, everybody's going to think that you have COVID. You can't, you can't get normal sick anymore. It's like the flu. It, when, when COVID came into existence, the flu stopped existing. Pneumonia stopped existing. You know, what was it? Uh, what was the pandemic under Obama? Swine flu? Swine flu stopped existing. You know, all, all these different things that people get get and, and die from every single year just stopped existing. It, it was just all COVID. And so now to to preach COVID all year and then come come back right at the end of the year uh, and say, oh, no, now we're going to put all these COVID cases and deaths and, and, and all these other statistics. We're just going to classify them under virus. They're, it, they're no longer going to be classified in, in separate entities. It is just absolutely stupid. Yeah, and it, it, it really seems to be the only disease nowadays. I mean, when I don't know the last time I've heard of somebody just getting a cold. I mean, I certainly haven't had one this year at all. And I don't know if it's because I've been staying inside a lot or whatever. But, I mean, I certainly don't think that, uh, number one, the masks are really uh, – I mean, they can do something. You know, you could believe they do something. Whether or not, I mean, but there's still a little bit of air that comes out every time. So there's, you're not going to, you're not going to eliminate everything. It just doesn't make sense. And people are thinking that, you know, they get this cloth mask that they made out of an old shirt and they think it's like some sort of magic filter or something. It's absolutely insane. And, uh, Rand Paul said something about how those cloth masks are only like 3% effective at blocking, you know, actual virus particles. Like, Three percent of viruses is what they um, is what they can block. And uh, I have a friend who's studying nursing, and he basically said, "Hey, like, I mean, even if you're wearing an N95, if it's not the correct size N95, or if you have any sort of facial hair, if you're a guy or whatever, I mean, there's just little small uh, ways for air to circumvent around. Um, it's just, I mean, Rand Paul also said something about how." The N95s are only like 50% effective. I mean, come in and correct me if you want. Uh, but, you know, and the surgical masks are a little more effective than the cloth masks. And it's just like, what's the point? It's just kind of all, it's just kind of all pointless. They, they say to do all these things, but nothing changes ever. So, you know, um, you're, you're talking about masks and everything. Um and, you know, when places started to open back up and, and let people, you know, start to go out to eat again, um, start to sort of live their normal lives um, somewhat, obviously there are still safety measures in place. Um, at least the masks were a temporary solution and everything. And, you know, like I said, I, I coming out of the hospital and recovering, you know, I, I was, you know, one of those guys, wear the mask. You know, if you go out in public, like, that guy's irresponsible. He's not wearing his mask. But to me, I also, as as a libertarian, recognize that people have the ability to make choices for themselves. And, you know, as much as I would like everybody to do the responsible thing or whatever or try to have somebody else's well-being in mind while being out in public, it they shouldn't have to. Like, it, it's not... I certainly don't leave the house every day and think about the guy down the street and like, you know, like how my decisions are going to affect how his day goes or whatever. Like nobody needs to, to be worrying about that, but that's exactly 
the attitude that leftists started to adopt coming out of these lockdowns, at least, you know, uh, New York and California are exempted from that. From my understanding, they're still under lockdown right now. Uh, but, you know, everybody else that was going out and everything, you know, um, people are calling government officials, calling police um, on on their neighbors or whatever. If their neighbor has a gathering of six people at their house or whatever. Oh, they're not socially distancing. They're not wearing masks inside their house. I can see I'm looking through their window right now. Oh, I broke into their house. I can see them. I'm standing in their kitchen. They're not wearing masks. Like, you know, just absolute violation of, number one, people's privacy, but number two, just, you know, people's rights. And they're starting to, you know, that's that's starting to get way out of hand. Um, you know, like, at what point do you take matters into your own hands like like as as an everyday citizen or whatever like these people uh, people started to call them the mask police you know uh, it's it's just stupid i don't understand why people why people have to act like this and think that it's absolutely within their rights and it's it's so okay to go and enforce what you think on a mass group of people and then you act surprised when they get mad at you and they do the exact opposite of what you tell them to do i i don't know about you but when somebody tells me to do something or orders me to do it unless it's somebody that like i respect and you know uh admire or whatever like if some random dude comes up on uh comes up to me on the street and says, I don't like your shirt, you should change it. Like, I'm not going to go home and change my shirt. Screw him. Like, it. it's just trying to change somebody's line of, of thinking or whatever, I don't know, is the right way to put it. But I, they weren't even trying to change it. They, they were just demanding that people do, do what they say to do. And you, you can't do that. When you have individual liberty and individual freedom guaranteed to you by this country you can't go around and just demand everybody do what you want and and fold to your demands and and you know if you don't you're a racist you're a bigot uh screw you yeah screw you we want you to die i hope you get shot like that and those are the kinds of things that people were saying that that's what they're People were tweeting addresses of people who don't wear masks and saying, yo, like, let's go run up. Like, let's let's go rob this guy. Like, just for not wearing a mask. It, it's stupid. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of the, the typical leftist response to anything that they don't like is just, I don't like it, so ban it or enforce it or whatever. And it, it's kind of ironic because talk about ban <laughs> trump officially banned from twitter today officially or just suspended for a little no no his account's gone all of his tweets are gone his profile photo's gone it's it's gone r.i.p.t dog <laughs> so yeah i mean just most of these leftists like their solution is always to call in the state to call in coercion and power and you know have the police you know have laws change to have the police go you know do stuff at their directive and 
it's just, I, I mean, I saw somebody on social media today. Um, so Publix is a big supermarket down here in Florida and, um, just somebody on social media saying our local Publix that they, oh, they saw somebody in the store without a mask. Um, but nobody was doing anything. None of the, you know, nobody was kicking them out. I mean, first of all, you don't know if they have a medical condition to where their breathing is severely inhibited by wearing a mask. I mean, even me, you know, a healthy person in my twenties, I, I, I have a tough time wearing a mask for a certain amount of minutes. I mean, I'm glad that I don't have to, uh, wear one for eight hours a day straight, luckily, but, um, you know, later it comes out that, yeah, I mean, in that public store that you do, you're supposed to be wearing a mask and that's their rule and that's the county guideline. But I mean, odds are one, you know, this lady definitely did not go up to somebody and say, Hey, you need to put on a mask. They just want somebody else to do it for them. And I bet that she didn't even go to the store manager either to talk to them. They just want to sit there on their couch and complain on social media and virtue signal about how great they are that they wear a mask and how terrible this other guy is because, you know, he's not wearing one for whatever reason. I mean, if, if you think that he's really just being a jackass and not wearing one, why don't you go up to him yourself? I mean, it's just these people are literal pussies and it's so annoying because they just want, you know, to control everybody else with the government, but they want the government to control them too. It's like they, they think Fauci, like you were saying earlier, like they think Fauci is God. They think everything he says is true, regardless of how many times that he's flip-flopped on his own things like masks and the CDC has messed up with the, you know, they came out with the first tests and the, the tests were all messed up and they had to rely on private companies. It's just, and, and the, the PIC designation yeah, and the free market ended up providing. And, um, you know, it's just wild that people are resorting to these almost North Korea type tactics of, you know, tell on your neighbor because it makes you look good and better in the in the society and in, in, in the in the eyes of the state. Uh, you're talking about, you know, North Korea and, and these tact how these tactics are similar and everything. Well, <laughs> what does North Korea use? North Korea uses their police force to enforce all these rules and everything. <laughs> What did everybody start calling the, these people that were calling the cops on their neighbors or whatever? They're calling them the mask police and everything. And so uh, these these people tattletailing literally on their on their neighbors or whatever for not wearing masks are now essentially trying to carry out the government's orders for them. Um, and so a, a very good example of this is the movie V for Vendetta. I know uh, we were talking about this earlier and you said that you hadn't watched it yet, but... Um, V for Vendetta is a very, very good movie. Um, if you have seen it, you know uh, V for Vendetta is about um, Guy Fawkes Day, um, why that exists today, um, and the backstory behind the gunpowder treason plot in England. And uh, the movie is basically set in this police state type society um, where there's a secret police walking around enforcing curfews you can only go to work and that's it if they catch you talking to people you're in trouble um you know if they catch you not following what they tell you to do um you're getting prosecuted you're getting thrown in, in a gulag or <laughs> a jail um and everything and it it's very scary how similar 
that movie is to to what's going on even right now with the way that people act towards one another the way that we are so quick to cannibalize other americans and cannibalize our neighbors um to kiss ass to the government and it it's stupid to think that after all this time you know just recently we were talking about these stimulus checks and everything everybody was all up in arms and it was it was universally agreed upon by literally everybody uh, i'm talking libertarians conservatives democrats everybody was like the, these two thousand dollar checks need to happen um Americans are hurting. We we need money. Um, we need a lifeline and everything. I I don't know a single person that was against these stimulus checks. And what do we get? We get six hundred dollars. We get six hundred dollars. And and me like some other people um, had our money deposited to H and R Block or TurboTax, whoever we filed our taxes with in 2019. That's who got our money first, and it delayed it, it delayed the deposit by about three or four days, um, which is sad. So you're talking about a government that can't even do that. They can't even give you that. They, they can't give you 2000 of your own money, mind you, of money that was taken from you in taxes. They can't even give you that. And it's stupid and the fact that people are still willing to say that the same government that failed to give us $2,000 stimulus checks or whatever um, Nancy Pelosi called it substantial what an idiot she is Um, Nancy Pelosi called it substantial meanwhile uh, people are out of work. Uh, people are starving, and, and all this other stuff because of what the government has done to us um, through this pandemic. And it, they couldn't even do that right. And so now, what? What do you think is going to happen? You? Why are you still kissing their asses and saying that? You know, we need to do what they say. You know, you need to wear a mask. You need to... Dr. Fauci said this. Like... And... It's like, you're doing the exact same thing. You were just complaining that they couldn't even get you a... Get a stimulus check right. And now you're turning around and doing exactly what what they tell you to do. And you're going to police your neighbors for not doing it? And, And it's like... You you start to ask questions like, you know, what are we, why are we even doing this? Why do these lockdowns continue? Why do these mask mandates continue? Why are we doing all of this stuff for a government that does not care about us? Yeah, I mean, I guess everybody for their own personal reasons (laughs) just wanted the uh, stimulus check, but, you know as a libertarian and you know anybody who really pays attention to uh economics i guess you got to be concerned about the rise of the national debt and i mean at this point it's just so irreversible trump put more uh you know debt on top than obama did in all of his eight years and uh obviously the coronavirus response was a, a big part of that but 
keep in mind when I said libertarians, I'm not. I'm not, the libertarian party is what I'm talking about. The libertarian party and actual libertarians are two very, very di distinct and different things. I, I, I want people to understand that to the fullest extent that they can. <laughs> Yeah, we should definitely have an episode regarding that because, yeah, the big L libertarians, the Libertarian Party definitely does not represent a lot of people. I know it does not represent me, and I definitely did not vote for them this time or even the last time. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, $2,000. I mean, even if you gave Americans, uh, you know, mind you, we ended up getting $600 and, you know, however else much... Uh, you know, tax money that we, uh, you know, put into this, to this fund, to this government, however much we paid in taxes that we didn't get back, that, that was $600. I mean, that was all going to foreign aid and all these like foreign arts yeah, you're programs. Talking about, it's like a record, a, a record amount of money for a bill and, and everything. And even, you know, I criticize, uh, AOC a lot. I criticize Ilhan Omar a lot. Um, Pelosi, all these other people. But um, AOC tweeted, or whatever. You know, she finally tweeted out something that I actually agreed with. She's sitting there saying, you know, this bill is like over five thousand pages long, and the Democratic. You know what the Democrats did? The Democrats voted against. Uh, a rule that is typically enforced in Congress where a bill has to be read before it's signed. And they voted to suspend the rule. And essentially what that did was this bill shows up on people's desks uh, whatever morning it was and everything. It's 5,000-something pages long, and they say, we're voting on it tonight. You have absolutely no choice. And AOC's tweeting, how is it possible that we get this 5,000 page bill or whatever and we have absolutely no time to read it now we have to vote on it tonight and, and all this other stuff or whatever which it, it, you know I agree with it, it's absolutely ridiculous that they that they had to do that and more importantly that that uh, of course it's AOC's own party that's that suspended the rule that made that possible but you know the fact that she recognized that there is something wrong with that you know that's a step in the right direction but then now you start to talk about, okay, yeah, like that is wrong. Uh, they should have time to read it and everything. But what did AOC turn around and do? Okay, yeah, she didn't. we don't have time to look at the bill. I'm going to sign it anyway. What the hell? You know, I, I don't understand how you're going to sit there and complain that you have absolutely no time to read a bill and then you go and turn around and sign it. It, 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 it makes no sense whatsoever. Uh as to why she did that. And then after signing said bill that hands out money like it's grown on trees and like it's candy to all these foreign countries um, and Americans get $600 and everything, she turns right back around, goes right back to her Twitter page and starts criticizing, I can't believe our government only got our citizens uh, $600 or whatever. Like it, it's a sham. Like we, they, they should be getting two thousand dollars or whatever, and <coughs> you know, it's sad. It's very, very, very sad. Yeah, and that's ironic because Trump was the one that was actually really pushing for the two thousand dollars, and he was, he was, you know, uh, he sent that bill back to Congress. I'm pretty sure, but you know, eventually they just, 
they can't compromise or they compromise too much. I mean, that's the issue is they compromise on too much and, you know, everything that, you know, war gets paid for and, the you know, all these programs, this welfare, all this garbage gets paid for, but we can't pay for uh, or we can't give people back their money. Or, and see, the other thing, too, is, is that they were criticized and by they, I mean, uh, the left. The left was criticizing Trump, saying, you know, after this first stimulus check went out, it, it was only $1,200. Obviously, that's $600 more than what we got this time around. But, um, you know, they're criticizing Trump, saying, well, how come you didn't send more money? How come that $1,200 check is the only check that came? Trump literally said, after he sent the first check out, I, he, I want a second stimulus check immediately. I want to send out a, a second $1,200 check within the next month. Like, that was what Trump wanted to do. And guess who stopped him from doing it? Nancy Pelosi. She stalled Congress not once, not twice, but three times she stalled Congress from sending out $1,200 stimulus checks and then has the audacity to come back at the very end of the year and stand up behind her stupid little podium and say guys $600 is a substantial gain for Americans it's a, most of my friends can't even pay rent with $600 I don't know what you can do with that I mean I guarantee you most of my friends are going to go out and buy a gun or go out and buy you know some frivolous item that they otherwise wouldn't be able to afford because they're too busy drowning in bills or whatever, but they want to make themselves feel bad or feel better or whatever at the government's expense because of what they've done to them. It's, it's insane. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. You know, your, your path to income is taken away for a lot of people, but they say, Oh no, we'll take care of you. And you know, you get a welfare check or I mean, the stimulus it's like i mean what if you're underemployed or you still you make a little more than that i mean they're just gonna give you eighteen hundred dollars the twelve hundred plus the six hundred and tell you to fuck off it's like it, it pretty much is fuck off money i mean moving on from people to businesses i mean businesses are just as important as you know the, the people i mean the businesses employ the people and the businesses serve the people and, um, you know, the government did the same kind of thing with the payment protection plan loans. It's just kind of money to say, you know, you know, pay your employees or whatever. And this is a loan, you know, they, they disguise it as a loan. But they said that, you know, if you paid your employees and you jump through all the hoops that they set, that you don't have to pay it back. So what it really is, is it's not a loan. It's a bailout or a grant. And it's just kind of concerning that they're taking away their path of revenue by. And how how are, how exactly are these are said bailouts funded? Yeah, exactly, and they're funded by you. People think it's you know some. Uh, they're giving you your own money back to bail yourself out. You heard that correctly. Yeah, I mean it's it it doesn't it doesn't make sense. It's just taking money from one pocket to another, and you know the government doesn't really it didn't it, it never it doesn't save money for a rainy day. I mean, at the peak of the economy, it's like, have, have you ever seen that episode of Rick and Morty? And it's like, you're basic. It's, you're giving me my own money with extra steps. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I don't, 
I don't. I, I think Rick and Morty's kind of cringy, but you know they got some. <laughs> they got some good points every once in a while. Um, but yeah, I mean they're giving you your own money with extra steps. I mean, and that that slows down the economy too, and it creates distortions in investment and spending. And uh, you know, just from my finance background, like you know, you can you can look at these things and you can look at the history of investments and. Uh, you know, see when the misallocations happen, and it's when there's a lot of government spending, and when there's low interest rates, um, it's it's people that shouldn't be spending the money, getting the money, really. And uh, I, I hate to harp on this this topic or whatever, and and go back to the anti-maskers, but I I want to, um, because there there's an irony that we missed in there that I think is very important, especially, um, you know. Uh, re- Republicans or uh, Trump supporters stormed the Capitol two days ago to um, to protest the Electoral College certification for Joe Biden and everything. And I think I think we're going to do um, another episode on that, maybe next. Um, but uh, you know, when we're talking about the mask police and everything, these same people who are calling the police on their neighbors for not wearing masks are the same people that decided to join in these BLM protests uh, that happened, you know, after the death of George Floyd and everything um, in the middle of 2020. Um, These same mask police are now amassed in the streets, looting businesses, uh, destroying private property, shooting at people, beating people up, doing all these crazy things, not socially distancing, not wearing masks, not following any of these safety guidelines that they were calling the police on their neighbor about two weeks before. Not doing any of that. That's out the window now. Now it's, I get to burn my neighbor's house down because he's not black. I get to loot this business because the owner's a Chinese guy. Uh and everything and and then people are criticizing uh, business owners for defending their property you know i i've seen videos on twitter or whatever of these people running away because there's a guy on the rooftop of his business watching people crowd in the parking lot getting ready to try and run run up in his place of work and everything he's sitting on the rooftop with an ar-15 shooting at him and everything trying to keep him away from the door and everything and he's the one getting criticized he's the one getting ostracized on twitter and ripped apart in comment sections for defending his own property because uh black lives matter because uh everybody should uh you know everybody should support this movement and everything uh property rights are out the window individual freedoms are out the window um Safety guidelines are out the window and everything. But then as soon as these protests went away, uh, as soon as, you know, um, it stopped trending on Twitter and people stopped giving it as much attention and everything, they turned right back around and started criticizing people for not wearing masks again. Like, what did you just do for six months? You just rioted in the streets and practically destroyed cities. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess it's kind of unfair to lump in, you know, 
the the mask police with the BLM crowd, but certainly the certainly the establishment opinion, you know, that of uh, the mainstream media certainly uh, did not did not do anything to really criticize them for not social distancing or uh, in some cases not wearing masks. I mean, a lot of them wore masks and is kind of convenient for them because they were probably committing crimes too. I mean, obviously not all of them, but some of them, you know, there's videos of people just breaking into places and the, uh, I mean, I mean, it's just kind of crazy because, you know, going back to people defending their own businesses, I mean, one thing that right-wingers have really woken up to with this issue and uh, just recently, you know, what went on at the Capitol building January 6th um, is that cops aren't defending the people. I mean, they're, they're, they're creating a barrier. They're, they're defending Antifa or whatever, and they're turning a blind eye whenever these businesses are getting broken into. And it's like, you know, that's kind of their point is to defend people and property. Um and it's just waking a lot of right-wingers up to, you know, what are their priorities? Uh, you know, do they care about themselves and what makes them more comfortable? Or are they just trying to collect their pension, you know, at the end of so many years? And, and see, this is where I think BLM had a point during this entire pandemic. As much as I disagree with the looting, I disagree with uh, the means to the end. Uh, I, I think BLM had a point with their gripes with the police and what i mean by that is that you know um i don't care if you're if you're a normal everyday guy or if you know your job is to go out and be a police officer because you wear a badge it does not give you the right to beat up on people and to use excessive force and to violate people's people's rights or whatever uh because you have some sick power trip or um, because you think the badge gives you a right to. Um, and, you know, I think with George Chauvin... Der- Derek Chauvin. Um, or, or Derek Chauvin and George Floyd, excuse me, um, you know, I think that... Uh, I think that BLM originally had it right. And, you know... Uh, Every single, pretty much every single person I knew agree, agreed with that. Everybody watched that video of Chauvin kneeling on the neck of George Floyd, and I don't know a single person that disagreed with that and said, oh, that's a good cop. You can even go and ask cops. Go and ask most cops, and they'll be like, oh, nah, I, I don't like that guy. Or whatever, or that, that wasn't right. And everything. And BLM had the world stage, you know, to make a case in point against the police and they absolutely obliterated any chance that they had to get some sort of positive um positive message and you know um some sort of structured plan or whatever you know the government was at the negotiating table and they decided to completely obliterate it by going and looting businesses, going and killing people, uh, and destroying property, burning cities. They decided to completely obliterate it by doing that. And then complain when people bring up the fact that they did it. And I, it might just be the time I grew up in or like the city or whatever, but I've, 
I mean, we all, I mean, myself included, literally everybody. I mean, people that say they aren't racist are, will, will, will make a, I mean, people that go around calling people racist all the time will make racist comments or have racist thoughts. It's just stereotypes and it's just something how the human brain is wired. But I don't know if it's the time I grew up in or what, but I, I mean, I knew from a very young age that you're not supposed to, you know, that. Uh, you know, you're not supposed to treat people differently by the color of their skin, basically. And, you know, like MLK said, judge them on their actions. But um, people are shoving BLM in people's faces. And just because you deny or, like, don't subscribe to the movement or whatever, they're saying that you're automatically racist. And if somebody put a gun to my head and said, do black lives matter? I mean, even if they didn't put a gun to my head, I would say yes. I mean, that's, I mean, it's just kind of like... But that's essentially what they're doing metaphorically now, is they're they're putting the metaphorical gun to your head and saying if if you don't if you don't support this movement, you know, uh, you're an enemy of people of color. You're you're a racist. You're, uh, you know, if you disagree with the Black Lives Matter movement on Twitter, especially, you know. If somebody decides to reply to you and and you know smear you, it's going to go absolutely viral on Twitter. I saw one guy or whatever who um, replied to a BLM tweet um, or whatever, disagreeing with whatever the tweet was and everything, and he got absolutely blown up. And I'm talking ratioed to the maximum. And these people were ludicrous enough to go and find the guy's place of work, call his boss, say, hey, uh, this employee of yours doesn't like Black Lives Matter. Oh, I can't have a racist working for me. And went and fired the guy. So solely because he expressed that he didn't agree with BLM being a movement, uh, gets his Twitter account suspended. Uh, He's now unemployed. I'm amazed he even kept his job through the pandemic, but... uh, was employed at the time, but was no longer employed, be, uh, thanks to Twitter. Um, it's just this, this cancel culture of ruining people's lives because they don't agree with you. I, we, I, we brought up the, the fact that Trump just got banned from Twitter earlier. It's the same kind of thing. What world do we live in now where we can ban the president of the United States? I don't care if he has two weeks left. Where we can ban the president of the United States from a social media platform because there are idiots in this country that don't agree with them. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all just kind of a, a control thing at the end of the day. Um, I, I think we kind of got away from what we were talking about, though. Uh, we brought up the, you know, them not wearing masks during these protests. But, you know, we're kind of getting towards the end of our podcast. Um, and, it, you know, we kind of wanted to end with, at, at what point does this all end? You know... Does this end at zero people infected? Does this end when uh, case numbers are, you know, case numbers still exist, but they're, you know, they're not increasing day by day or they're not increasing in record numbers? Um, does this end when everybody gets vaccine, uh, gets vaccinated? Um, we already have the vaccine, um, but, uh, you know, there's many people saying they're not, they're not going to take it. Um, they don't trust they don't trust that this vaccine actually works. There's rumors now of, of all these different side effects that happen when you take it. Um, I don't know how many of those are factual and how many of those are just made up rumors. Um, but, you know, at what point does this all, does this pandemic end? Um, 
Does it end with the vaccine? Does it end with herd immunity? Uh, do we have to get net zero cases? You know, uh, when do we get our normal lives back? Yeah, who knows? I mean, I people keep saying the new normal, the new normal, as if this is just like a given. This is going to last for a long time. Um, and I think it will. I mean, it'll last as long as people let it last. I, the government and, you know, whoever is just going to, fudge numbers or create some sort of crisis that we all need to band together and uh just give up our normal lives for and you know we just as people you know me politically but you know just as people in their personal lives just acting as libertarians almost just wanting to be left alone and do their own thing i mean when does it end the government just gets more control year after year and you know you never get your freedoms back and you never get your money back it's already gone it's already spent i mean we got massive national debt and, you know, Social Security's already, money's already spent. We're issuing debt now to, you know, get the money for Social Security all the way down the road, basically. And, uh, well, we're going to have to pay it back all the way down the road. But, yeah, I mean, everything's just ratcheting up. This is a big turning point. Um, you know, the Biden getting into office, I don't see any of it ending soon. So, um yeah, I honestly I think 2021 might be worse than 2020, but we'll see how it pans out. And God, I hope you're wrong. Yeah, I hope I'm wrong as well. So uh, we'll see how it pans out, and uh, we'll definitely give some more updates as to how it's going, and hopefully have a 2021 recap as well. Yep. All right, guys, thanks for listening. I know it's a long one, but uh, peace.